The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Circling the Bases. My name is Chris Crawford, joined today by Colin Henderson. Wanted to issue something right before we get started that we did have some technical difficulties in this recording. Colin, unfortunately, had some internet issues, so we had to record by phone. So apologies if there are any type of glitches or errors that you hear during the podcast. We have the best podcast editors in the world, so you probably won't even notice. We're going to be talking about players that you should be dropping or holding on to. But we get started with a conversation about Joe Madden being fired as the manager from the Los Angeles Angels. So thanks again, everybody, for tuning in. We really do appreciate it and apologize for any technical difficulties. Before we get to the drop or not, we have a big breaking story that came out of the baseball world today that we obviously have to talk first. And that is Joe Madden, Angels manager, is ousted. Let go. Surprised, apparently. Surprised by the team's decision to let him go after 12 straight losses. Uh, The Angels obviously came out to a great start to the year on a 27 and 17 record. But since then, 12 straight losses has dropped them to 27 and 29. That's good enough for eight and a half games out of first place in the AL West already. Phil Nevin takes over as interim manager. Madden went 130 and 148 with LA, failing to reach the postseason in his two plus years. And like we, like I said before, it came as a surprise. He asked if it was a surprise, quote, a little bit, actually a lot. You always rely on people in charge to read the tea leaves properly. This time they did not. So he is not going out on his own accord. Chris, Obviously, talk about just Madden leaving in the first place and then any potential fantasy implications that come from this. I mean, I guess it's always a surprise to like, there's no like date that they decide when you're going to get fired or something like that. So I guess in that sense, he could be surprised. He shouldn't be. I mean, right. That's 20, what I was about to say. Yeah. He went 26 and 34 and finished fourth place in 2020. He went 77 and 85 in 2021 and finished in fourth place. In 2022, he's in second place, but he's two games under 500. While having, for the most part, you know, there were some injuries that he dealt with. The one of the most talented rosters in baseball. Yes, it's not his fault that the pitching stinks. He's not in charge of signing the the pitchers that they have. But you can't say that Joe Madden made the Angels better. It is impossible for you to say that unless the Angels were just really bad. Like getting them to 77 wins and 26 wins in that truncated season isn't impressive to me. I don't know if there's any fantasy implications. We have no um, track record of what Phil Nevin is going to look like as a manager. Um, He was an aggressive base run sender. So I wonder. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. I wonder if we'll see if I wonder if we'll see some more stolen base attempts for guys. That's something to maybe keep an eye on, which would be, you know. 
you know, they need to keep Mike Trout healthy, but maybe he runs a little bit more. There's just no concrete evidence of that. The only thing I'll say about Phil Nevin is that I have a, uh, a funny story that once I went to go get his autograph in Tacoma while he was a member of the Houston organization. And remember, Phil Nevin was the first overall pick. And he's yep. the second manager, I believe, to ever manage games outside of a Harold Baines doing four games as an interim manager. But anyway, I went to get his autograph because everybody told me that he was the next big thing. And I had him sign in the middle of the baseball and somebody else was getting ready over there. And I was like, oh, I'll just have him sign next to it. And the guy signed right over Phil Nevin's signature and he said he was doing me a favor. So <laughs> that is. Can you please tell me who the other player was? Because now I have no, to know that. No, because oh. I don't know who it is. And I. Okay. Have, All right. That's totally fair. The, I have done the internet sleuthing to try to figure out who it is. But sorry, Joe Madden. I think this is deserved. And while I don't believe that you are truly at fault for what the Angels are going through, you got to make your team better. And I don't think he actually made the team better. Yeah, I was trying to think of Joe Madden. If you took away the name Joe Madden and just looked yeah. at the resume, there's absolutely sure. no conversation to be had here. The only thing yeah. you could say is from a longer standpoint, sure, he has gotten to World Series. He has yeah. won one. He won one with Chicago. He's rejuvenated yeah. older rosters. He's done a lot of good things. He's, for a guy who is 68 years old, has always had a very – open mind to a lot of changes and stuff. Right. I mean, he was one of the first guys who really implemented that shift that now everyone wants to get rid of. So right. um, all of that aside, the angels have been very much treading water since he came there. He came there as essentially a stopgap. And since then, it, nothing has changed. Nothing good. Other than if you take away the magical year of Otani last year, there has been mm -hmm. nothing of note that the Angels have done <clears> for the last two and a half seasons. I actually think this is – I think I'm completely for this move. I will say he is saying – that there's no finger pointing in the locker room. Like he hasn't lost the locker room. That was essentially why he was quote surprised. That's sure. great that you haven't lost the locker room, but you've lost right. 12 straight games in a row and you have a losing record in two years. So yeah. Yeah. I don't really care if the players still love you. You're not no. getting W's and that's what you're here for. So, exactly. um, I mean, I would expect a team Madden said afterward, um, in an interview with the athletic that he's still very much interested in coaching. It would not yep. surprise me if he has a new job, at the start of next season. No, but um, this is like, he's, he's got a little bit of a track record of kind of running, not so much his teams into the ground, but whether it's personally or whether it's professionally, like he kind of lost the locker room in a couple places. Right. This one, it just seems like he could not get enough W's to actually stay there. So he's, he's, while he has a very, you know, has very good highs. He's also has some pretty deep lows that we uh, kind of don't always attribute to a guy of his stature. No. And I think that what it is, it's it, two things. One, what I think it speaks to is how good the general managers and the front offices have been at the places that he's been. That is one. Very I good mean, point. Say what you want about Theo Epstein and say what you want about how I hate Tampa Bay doesn't spend any gosh darn money. They've been really good at what they do. And the angels, really have not since 2003 other than you know getting lucky with the millville meteor but really what it like what you were saying is he has not been a good boy scout and what that by that what i mean is is he has yeah. not left his situation better than he came into it and that would be concerning for me if i was a team that i thought was like right on the cusp he might make sense to me for the phillies just for like a year to see if you see if you could turn this thing around like that might be something that I would be interested in. 
But if I'm a young rebuilding team, I think I'm definitely looking elsewhere. <laughs> the Phillies are basically just the angels of the national of the. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, really just like, Hey, with the Phillies got two yet, managers fired. Right. Two managers fired. They've got Dave Dombrowski as a GM who is yeah. just throw all your chips to the center. Like actually kind sure. of makes a lot of sense there, but Madden yeah. will be coaching somewhere soon. He just won't be coaching for either of our teams. Let's get to some drop or not here. And like I said, if you are watching this live on Twitch at all and have any drop or nots, please, uh, if you're struggling with anyone, please don't hesitate to reach out to us. We'll be happy to discuss anybody, but let's start off with someone I just had to cut from one of my main teams. And that's Javier, uh, Javier Baez. I mean, Javier Baez is when going is one of the most fun players in the league, but this year, no so good. Still 87% rostered in Yahoo leagues, but he is slashing 198, 234, 305 with just three home runs and 15 RBIs and 10 runs scored. Zero stolen bases for a guy that we absolutely require him moving around the bags for him to be right. valued at where we had at the beginning of the season. And he already has 46 strikeouts to only six walks and 167 at-bats. Um, for those of you, it seems so long ago, but he did sign that six-year, $140 million contract with Detroit in the hopes of bridging their rebuilding team to their championship team. And uh, so far, those results have been real bad. Um, so obviously, from a loaded shortstop, he is also second base eligible because of his time at second base last year. So he does have dual eligibility, but he has just simply been an absolute drag on teams, especially points teams uh, in points leagues where those strikeouts are just negative. I was looking at one of my main point leagues this point in the season, he has less than 45 points. He has done nothing for you. So I just had to drop him in that points league. He is on another one or two of my rosters and he is very close to being dropped. If it weren't for a deeper league, Chris in a 12 team standard, are you holding on to Javi for a, for a, hopefully a second half resurgence? Are you bailing? I'm certainly taking him out of my starting lineup. I'm probably hanging on to him if I have five bench spots, just because okay. I'm not quite sure. Unless you're like desperate for some like starting pitching streaming, then I think you can justify sure. the fact we're talking about the fact that you can justify dropping him. It makes him one of the biggest fantasy disappointments. My okay. only thing that I would say is we have seen this before where Javier Baez gets off to a poor start and then goes through a couple of weeks slash months that basically like put you right back into contention. There's no mm-hmm. doubt that he is capable of doing that, but this isn't a slow start anymore. We are a third of the way through the year. And I think the fact that there's no stolen bases here is very telling. It makes me wonder if he's a hundred percent healthy because even like, you know, he's no longer the, like a speed demon, but you need like that 15 to 20 stolen base to justify the fact that he's going to hit below average literally and figuratively in average. I think it's something that you really have to consider. And if you have good options up the middle, it is perfectly okay to cut bait. None of these players, by the way, we're saying that you have to drop. I'm we're just saying that if you are considering Javier Baez and if you're considering moving on from him, it is not crazy whatsoever. 
No, it's not crazy. And you mentioned a five bench spot. Yeah, if I had five bench spots, I'd probably still have Javier Baez on, say, the one team that I had dropped him on. But sure. with three and for the number of injuries that have already piled up throughout the year, and I know everyone out there is holding on to IL people. A lot of people have cut IL people, which means that they're eligible for you to add to your roster. I know in a couple leagues, Tyler O'Neill's and Mitch Hanniger's and Brandon mm-hmm. Lowe's have fallen to the wayside just because teams can't hold on to them any longer. Well, right. guess what? Then that means you should be adding them to your roster. So at the moment, Baez has shown nothing. They, the Tigers literally had to sit him for about a two to three game period in the hopes that that would get his head straight. Right. And then he proceeded to go hitless against the Yankees with five strikeouts oh, across <laughs> three games. So, I mean, it just has not looked good. I think right now there's no trade value for him. So you can get absolutely nothing for him on the wire. If someone wants to give him to you, if someone wants to, trade you anything for him i think i'd take it at this point but yeah yes at the end of the year javi Baez will probably have similar stats to what we like but it has been real rough sledding for anyone who has rostered him so far no and that's the thing is like and that's the reason why you consider him is just because there yep. is this track record of doing it but man i'm just looking at these baseball savant page this is ugly like yeah real bad we we knew that the that the walks were going to be an issue we th- there was this Brief, brief glimmer of hope because he started taking more free passes for a little bit last year. That was st- way too small of sample size. He's in the bottom 3%. He's in the bottom 1 percentile in trace rate. It's not bad luck. His expected batting average is in the 7th percentile. Only thing he really has going for him is that he's been good defensively. And his max exit velocity shows that when he makes contact, he can hit baseball a long, long way. Everything else here suggests that Javier Baez can become roster fodder. And I don't like saying that. Let's move on to Blake Snell now. Um, Somebody else who is similarly rostered, 85% rostered. He had been out for over a month with a left left adductor strain. That being said, uh, the results so far this year, no so good. We're still waiting for this former Cy Young Blake Snell, who everyone ranted at the Rays for trading when they did. And boy, the Rays continue to look good from that trade because Snell Mm -hmm. has just not looked the same. So far on the year, he is 0-3 with a 5.68 ERA, 1.37 whip, and 22 strikeouts and 11 walks across 19 innings. That's only four starts. So it is a small sample size, admittedly. But for those who have been holding on to Blake Snell during throughout his injuries and then have been getting the actual stuff, his actual performance so far, it has been a third of the year of nothing from Blake Snell. And it has got to be absolutely crushing to have hold, held on to a guy who, again, a former Cy Young winner on a team that should have plenty of, of, of wins in there. Right. And he is just unable to do so, so far. So Chris, how are you feeling about Blake Snell right now? Is he potentially droppable for you or is he someone that you're still holding on and believing for the rest of the year? It's a tough one. I'm still holding on, especially if I've held on this long. And I will say, again, it's a small sample size. Very concerned about the walks because this has been something that's been an issue for Blake Snell for a long time. And, you know, the, the whip is going to get hit hard because of the fact that he is just going to issue too many free passes. He's also in the 85th percentile so far in whiff rate. He's getting hitters to chase at his pitches at a solid rate. He is missing bats. His fastball velocity looks fine. He's getting good movement on his fastball as well. So what I would say is he has become, and this is unfortunate for somebody who was once like a top 30 draft pick, someone that you is kind of matchup dependent. If he's facing somebody 
who has a bunch of patient hitters in the lineup, like the Dodgers, or it's funny to say, like the Mariners, who just don't swing at pitches outside of the strike zone right now. That's a tough matchup for him. But if he faces a lineup that is not like super patient, still a guy I'm having in because even if he does have a few walks, and a few is kind of an understatement, I guess, there's just enough upside with the strikeouts that I'm leaving him in the lineup. But it is sad to say that I think Blake Snell is now a streamer. He has got back-to-back matchups against Colorado at Colorado and away from – oh, no, sorry – in San Diego and then at Coors Field in his right. next two starts. Yeah. Uh, if you're holding on to him this long, and I totally respect giving him two more starts, yep. going up against Colorado in this spot, I think is exactly what you need to see. Like, there you yep. go, especially away from Colorado and then in Colorado. If he can't yep, do sure. those two, I think that's enough for me to go, okay, I'm going to waste my time elsewhere rather right. than continuing to drive this home. So back-to-back starts against Colorado. I think that's where we draw the line. If for some reason there is – a rain out here. He would get the Cubs in that conversation as well. Again, similarly, a below average offense. I'm still using that as my barometer for, am I going to keep him? Sure. That's totally. And I think it also makes sense, by the way, this is a San Diego team that has like nine starters that they could theoretically use in that rotation. So if Snell were to become someone who struggles a little bit more, it would not shock me at all. If they say, okay, you know what? You're going to be a two to three inning guy out of the bullpen. And we're going to go there. It would not shock me in the slightest there. Nope. And if he's pitching behind an opener, there's value in that. There is value in that. If he's pitching in the middle innings, pretty tough to justify. Let's move over to Yuan Mankata. 58% rostered. He started out the season slowly, then got injured, then has come back and has still been slow. Overall on the year, 149 average with two homers, only six RBIs, two walks, four runs, a 425 OPS, and a 22 to 2 K walk ratio across 19 total games. By the way, 22 to 2 K walk ratio is incredibly difficult to say. He has been out with a quad injury that took him out for basically about three weeks or so. And had struggled, like I said, before picking up that injury somewhere in the positive for him is that Juan Juan Mancata has been really good for really long and is only age 27, which still kind of blows my mind. I just think of him as somewhere closer to 30. Um, He also sports a minuscule 0.18 BAPIB this year previous career low in a season 315. So you got to figure some good luck coming along the way, but there have been a lot of managers who have held on to him for this long and have had to deal with the injury and the underperformance. And they're looking for that. They're hovering over that drop button. Chris, are you clicking it? I am not only because of the position that he plays third base is just not a good position right now. Now I will say this, the thing about him, Moncada and batting average balls in play is, His expected batting average is often quite low in part because he does not make a ton of hard contact. And the big thing that's been weird here is that this is a guy who has normally been a very patient hitter at the plate. Last year, 13.6 walk percentage, which is excellent. 2.6 this year. And what that tells me is is that he has a very small sample size. Is Yohan Mankata ever going to be the fantasy player that we thought he was going to be as a prospect? No. He's not ever going to be that top 10, top dozen option that he really looked like he could be in the minors. But I still think he's serviceable enough. And the fact that you have a corner infield position probably and a third base position, especially just because third base is such – it's not good. 
It is not a good position right now. I'm still hanging on, but would I be looking to upgrade? You bet your sweet bippy I would. Yeah, he was the 16th in Yahoo League, 16th um, third baseman off the board in in drafts. And like you said, I was trying. I went back and forth with this about whether to keep Mankata or not, and it all came down to me. And you you broke the hit the nail on the head here. Third base is garbage right now. Third base is a bad outside the top five. It is a garbage position where there is not much that to, to differentiate between. Nope the seventh best third baseman and the 19th best third baseman. There just really isn't a lot. So for that reason, I think Mankata, unlike many of the other options between seven and 18, like I just mentioned, has, I think enough of a ceiling where, and has enough potential where he could break out of this thing and break into something that is a bona fide top 10 third baseman. I think that is still very much in the carts with him with just his potential and his power and the team that he's on that right. I'm expecting a much, a much better next two thirds of the year than the first third from really that entire White Sox team. Totally fair. But yeah, no, I'm, I'm holding on to Mankata a little bit longer just because again, I just can't imagine there's a whole lot out there that you're willing to replace him with at this point. There just, there no. just isn't there. No, but like if someone like Nolan Gorman or something like that is still available and eligible sure. for third base in Yahoo links and yeah, go ahead and do that. But there's like, there's just too much, expletive on the market for me to suggest dropping Yohan Mankata next time draft the third baseman higher. Would you, I mean, for rest of season, like name game, this thing, would you rather have Nolan Gorman or Juan Manca, uh, Yohan Mankata? Nolan Gorman. Like the only okay. concern I have with Nolan Gorman is the fact that I, I do wonder how much he's going to play against left-handed pitching. And you know, that's something that, you know, it, it it's good for his rates, but it hurts the overall numbers. It, it hurts yep. your chances to drive and runs. It's all of that stuff. But I'm really big on Nolan Gorman. I have been really impressed with what I have seen. I love that he's hitting at or near the top of the, not at, mm -hmm. he's hitting near the top of that lineup. There's an awful lot to like about that fantasy prospectus, both this year and in long term, of course. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Weekends are better. They are simply better with MLB Sunday leadoff coverage presented by Uber Eats this week catch the athletics face the guardians in Cleveland on Sunday June 12th at 1130 a.m. Eastern live on NBC and Peacock to learn more go to peacocktv.com slash MLB and if you want a chance to win 25,000 on the game 25 large download the NBC sports predictor app powered by points bet and enter Sunday's free grand slam pick'em contest Let's go over to Ian Anderson, the 24-year-old starter for the Braves after two phenomenal years and two phenomenal postseasons in his first two years, has started to come back down to earth. Still 77% rostered, but he's 4-3 and three with a 4-7 ERA, a 1.4 whip, and only 45 strikeouts across 53 and two-thirds innings, and he's walked 24 and served up eight home runs already. Just for some context, he had allowed 17 home runs in his 
previous 30 regular season starts entering this year. He has eight and 10 starts this year. So guys getting, getting this ball elevated. And by the way, that is with offense down across the league and he's still getting the ball hit hard on him. Also, his K percentage has dropped from 29, uh, almost 30% in his rookie year to below 20% this year so far. So Chris, Ian Anderson has been a wild disappointment so far this year. Are you holding on or are you dropping? I'm still holding on, but I got to be honest with you. You got to give it another couple of starts and then start really thinking about it because he has not been good. And I'll tell you something that really concerns me here is that fastball spin and curve spin, he is in the bottom one percentile, which tells mm-hmm. me that his pitches are just not getting a Flat. lot of movement. And Ian Anderson has always dealt with control issues. Now, he's never really dealt with command issues. There is a difference between the two. He has always been, to quote another podcast, effectively wild. He's not effectively wild right now. Like, there is serious command issues that are going on with Ian Anderson. And the fact that he's not generating a ton of movement, it kind of makes me wonder if uh, everything is okay or if there's some sort of mechanical change that he's going to need to make. It's actually avoiding barrels pretty well. He's not giving up a ton of uh, round trippers, which is nice to see. But just because of his his limited but successful track record and the fact that there's so much baseball still left to be played, I can't imagine that there are a ton of better waiver wire options in terms of pitching than Ian Anderson. I think if I'm an Ian Anderson manager, he pitches tonight against Oakland. Mm-hmm. Uh, or excuse me, tomorrow against Oakland. Uh, right. the, I have to put it properly. Wednesday night against Oakland. Sure. Then he pitches against at Washington. Mm-hmm. And then if I'm doing the math correctly at Chicago, Oh, I think there's your three. Like that's friendly. If I'm, if I, that's a friendly next three starts. And if I'm an Ian Anderson owner, I'm either looking at these three starts in a bubble and I'm saying, I really hope I see something. I see the old Ian Anderson at some point where I can ride him to the rest of the year. Or I'm looking for him to just do well enough over those next three starts that I can use that as my trade piece to try and move on. Like, look, hey, there you go. If I if I have lost my faith in him, I'm looking at these three starts. I hope he does well enough in all three of them. So that way I can try and put him in a package to get him off my roster and get somewhere else. His value right now is too low for you to get what I think Ian Anderson could get. Hopefully sure. somewhere in these three starts, he gives you something really good that you can use to kind of pivot and buy high or sell high. I think that's exactly right. I mean, that could not be friendlier in terms of scheduling. Like those are some of the worst lineups in baseball that you're getting a chance to see. So if he's struggling against those guys, it it might be time to take a look elsewhere, but this is a very good chance for any Anderson to get healthy. Number four catcher off the board in preseason Average draft 123, Yasmeni Grandal still 67% rostered, but boy, those 67% are holding on for dear life. Um, in a 160 at-bats, so no longer a small sample here, 156, 269, 206 slash line, which is horrendous. Yeah. With two home runs, 11 RBIs, six runs, and a 475 OPS. And not to outdo Javi Baez, he's got 41 strikeouts right behind him. So, uh, I mean, look, the catcher position, we've discussed this overall. The catcher position, 
it's just real bad this year. There's just, right. I mean, it, it has been for the last couple of years, but at least in those years, there's been like a, a top seven or eight that you can kind of feel like, okay, these are our starters sure. this year. I've gotten questions online where like, should I just drop a catcher and not play a catcher and then yeah. use that roster as, as use roster flexibility for it. And it's getting harder and harder outside the top five catchers for me to make the argument to keep one. So sure. Grandall right now has been at the top of, I mean, right next to Baez is one of the most disappointing players in fantasy so far this year. Chris, the catcher position, like I said, is not deep, but no. it does have some intriguing options out there. Are you holding on to Grandall or are you looking for somewhere else? I mean, if he played any other position, this isn't yes. easy. You got to move on. Yeah. But he doesn't. And so I think you got to stay patient for a little while longer. He's a re- weird mix here because, again, uh, if you're playing in an on-base percentage league and if you get points for walks, it's a lot easier to justify just because, like, he's still drawing walks. He's in the 92nd percentile in a walks percentage. He does not swing at pitches outside of the strikes. I mean, he just doesn't. It is a very impressive approach at the plate, but that approach leads to a lot of two-strike counts. And while he doesn't strike out, like, a ton, 49% K percentage isn't horrific by any means, it does mean that his expected batting average drops down because pitchers can make their pitch with two strikes. And if you're in a lot of two strike counts, it's very hard to hit for a high average. I guess my biggest concern here is that with Grandal, you're really hoping for power and he is not showing it at all. Slugging percentage in the bottom 12th percentile. I can't imagine that there is a guaranteed better catcher on the market. So I've got to hold on to Yasmani Grandal. But man, oh man, if I am a contender, I am looking to upgrade from him for sure. Would you take Kirk over Grandal rest of the year? A hundred thousand percent. I recorded a video on Alejandro Kirk for Yahoo just the other day. And I did not realize that his page, his baseball savant page is like a Utah election. It is just red, (laughs) red, 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 red. This guy might be a star. If you can get... He has a horrible April, but since then, he has been one of, if not the best catchers in baseball. Alejandro Kirk is like a must-add for me. I'm sorry. Uh, go go on there, but like no, I just no couldn't problem. believe how good he was. I could not believe how impressive these numbers are. Um, would you take him over the younger Contreras, who still has catcher eligibility? Would you take uh, Randall? Probably just because I don't know how much Contreras is going to play. If I could guarantee okay. – Wilson Contreras is going to be in the lineup even four days a week. I would take him, but uh, the, the the counting stats matter. Would you take Adley Rutschman over Grandall rest of the season? Yes, and Adley Rutschman's numbers are not pretty right now. There's just way too small a sample size right now. Grandall is one of the catchers that I think you would be dropping for him. Okay. All right. So that's, I mean, that gives it, I mean, for a guy who was the fourth catcher off the board preseason, I mean, we've now already fallen him out to at least the back end of the top 10, 12. And if it weren't for the fact that the catcher position is so thin, he'd fall even farther. Yeah, crazy. All right, let's let's talk about someone who was on our dropper not list. I wanted to bring one back. I went back to our our prior uh, our prior episode. Nice. I wanted to bring one person back just to see how far they've fallen. And Trevor Rogers is our guy, starting yeah. pitcher for Miami. Um, now still seventy nine percent rostered, which I'm still a surprised about, just because he's been real bad. Two and five with a five eight ERA, a one point five six WHIP. 
and 39 to 21 K walk ratio across 45 innings. Uh, it doesn't take a math major to figure out that that's just way too many walks, just yeah. way, way, way too many walks. Um, his strikeout percentage dropped from 28.5% last year to just over 19% this year. And last year was when he was second in rookie of the year when he had a 2.64 ERA and 157 strikeouts and 133 innings. Like I said, this year, 39 Ks across 45 innings so far. So the exact opposite of how good he was last year. We both recommended holding on to him um, about four weeks ago when we did this episode. Chris, has your mind changed? Yeah. In fact, at this point, it's more, would you consider adding Trevor Rogers more than <laughs> would you consider dropping Trevor Rogers? And I will say this in a dynasty format or a keeper format. Yeah. I'm still hanging on to Trevor Rogers just because he's Agreed. 24 years old. And he's shown this flashes the ability, but none of these numbers suggest that Trevor Rogers is a good option right now. He has basically become the epitome of a streamer right now. There is no way that I'm having Trevor Rogers face a quality lineup. The the only thing I will say is is that if you drop Trevor Rogers, you're probably not getting him back because somebody's going to take a chance on him with pitching yep. so thin right now. So make sure you're comfortable doing it. You got to be comfortable with anything. And I know it's so hard to actually hit that drop button. I Lord knows how many times I have changed my mind or hoped my internet froze while I'm waiting for a, a <laughs> transaction to go through. Yes. But at this point, it is beyond easy to justify letting him go at this point. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. Like, be prepared that you might not get him back if you do drop him. Like, a lot of these other guys, I think you could still get back. Like, I think if you dropped Javi Baez right now, you could get him back in a week, and I think that wouldn't be a problem, uh, depending on how deep your league is. I think Trevor Rogers, just because of how good he was last year, is just going to be really difficult to pick back up. Right. That being said, uh, like you said, there's been absolutely nothing. There's no evidence this year. In the calendar year of 2022, there's no evidence that he is a good pitcher. There just yeah. isn't going to, there just isn't any of that. So especially with the amount of good pitching on Miami, like they have, and him only 24 years old, there's a real possibility he could get sent down at some point. He has, he has minor league options here for right. them, for him to theoretically get his head straight. Sure. You could be dropping him for nothing because that yeah. I think is very likely, especially with Edward Cabrera coming up and looking great again tonight. And he looked great in his first start. He looked great last year. I mean, he looks ready and Max Meyer looks right behind him if possible. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, I think Trevor Rogers right now is droppable. I think what I would say, my advice to managers out there, and again, this is entirely dependent on the size and sure. format of your league, but if you have a good record, if you are sitting there, even despite him being on your roster, if you're sitting there only a game or two back from the top spot, if you're looking for playoffs right now and feel pretty confident around your team, Trevor Rogers is a guy I'd still hold on to just because of the potential somewhere in the middle of that. Sure. But if you are struggling, if you are three and five or worse at this point in a weekly league, if you are absolutely need it, then waivers, waivers. No got a winning record you could be a little bit patient trevor rogers has not earned that spot yet so i i agree with that yeah by the way i just wanted to say chad left a very funny comment when we were talking about ian anderson is the only logical conclusion is kyle wright space jam won him that's very funny oh that's very funny i actually like yeah. that quite a bit <laughs> I, I, and now if, if, if i see ian anderson struggle to like walk down the dugout step i don't know it for sure 
Oh. All right, let's uh, let's do uh, let's end up with uh, one or two more here. Get some quick. Let's do Eric Hosmer. Colin, I'll take Eric Eric Hosmer real quick. Uh, yeah, one of the most impressive starts that I think that we saw from him over his career. Um, certainly has had some success as a fantasy player, but it has often been followed by flashes of not incompetence, but just not worth um, rostering. I think first base is deep enough that you can be looking at different options here. Um, the metrics are still good, but the metrics are also based on the fact that he got off to such a good start. And I want to always caution this, that when you look at baseball savant pages, we are not talking about predictive. We are talking about results. So those results can tell you, yeah, that he deserved better and yada, yada, yada. They're not necessarily predictive of how the player is going to play. So I would be looking to move on from Eric Hosmer if he, he was my first baseman. It's not the worst thing in the world to have him as a corner infielder, I suppose, partially because, again, we just talked about the fact that there are just not a lot of good options at the first base position. Let's look at another player that we were uh, talking about here. Um, Aroldis Chapman. That's an interesting one. I'm moving on from Aroldis Chapman because I don't see how you can't have Clay Holmes be your closer right now. And, you know, if Aroldis Chapman ends up being your closer, I mean, that being the closer, I think that's going to really bite you in the you-know-what because, you know, you had him and then all of a sudden you're not getting – those save chances for again a team that I talked about when I was when I was vamping, so to speak, being one of the very best first base or excuse me, one of the best overall teams in baseball. But I'm really confident in Clay Holmes. That's the guy I'd be rostering. If Clay Holmes isn't available and you need to take a chance with somebody like Chapman to get saves, I guess you can do that. But um yeah, I would be looking to move on from Aroldis Chapman at this point. Not the worst roster hold in the entire world because the rate should be good even if he's not the closer, but it's impossible to uh, guarantee that he's going to be an option. It's weird to say, but I think you can absolutely justify dropping a role with Chapman. And boy, oh boy, would I be trying to get Clay Holmes. How impressive has he been? Uh, since Colin's got the internet issues, we'll just go ahead and call it right now. Thank you so much for everybody who's listening. Thank you for everybody on Twitch who dealt with our technical difficulties. These things happen. Live shows. It is what it is. Uh, tomorrow, I will have Matthew Corey from Sox Outsider on the show. And we're going to talk about the Red Sox. We're going to pester him about my boy, Jaron Duran, how much I really like him and hoping that he can be a real fantasy option. Wondering if there are any relievers that are worth rostering on that team. If you like what you heard, Please rate us five stars. Please subscribe. We really appreciate it. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Crawford underscore M-I-L-B. And you can follow Colin at Call Don't Lie. So until next time, thank you guys again. We really do appreciate your patience. If you're listening to this in podcast form, you might wonder what the heck we're even talking about. But we really appreciate it. And we will see you guys next time.